Hi guys, welcome back to the Tom and Rory talk show. This is episode four. Today we'll be looking at all things Man United, potential targets, potential sales, potential managers, potential directors of football, basically just a complete rebuild of the club. And we're taking them back to the top, aren't we, Rory? Well, that's what we're aiming to do. It might be a bit harder than... Um... <laughs> Easier said than done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, nah, it's obviously, it's a topic for great discussion and it has been discussed massively over the past kind of sort of ever since Oli got the job really I guess because that was even kind ever, of even ever since um, Sir Alex left yeah. but I think since oli has got the job it's kind of escalated even further because it's now like we've got with he's come in to kind of orchestrate the rebuild in a sense yeah and a lot of people are unsure <laughs> as to whether he has the credentials to do it like for a guy who's managed Mulder in Cardiff, really, and mm-hmm. Cardiff was not a good job, he's taken them down, basically. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys who could have won the league in Norway. So whilst he's got that connection with the fans as an ex-player, has he really got the credentials to be the manager of Man United to take them to the back to the very top? So we'll be looking at the managerial situation, whether we stick with Oli or whether we'll be looking at other targets who are potentially mm-hmm. more qualified. Yeah. So, I mean, on in terms of managers for me, I've said we've kind of discussed this a bit before we've started, obviously, as we do every week. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of managers for me, I'm kind of part of the Oli in camp at the moment. Yeah. Um, but if they don't get Champions League, and obviously, look, a lot of this could change. Um, but if they don't get Champions League, for me, Oli has to go. Um, but if they do get Champions League, no matter how they get it, I don't care if they come fifth and they get Champions League because City don't have it I don't care if the coronavirus shuts down (laughs) football and they just give them a place in the Champions League and you know because no one from Italy can be in the Champions League or whatever I don't care how they get there if they get Champions League for me if they win the Europa League as well which we've forgotten about really I don't care how they get there if they get Champions League Oli keeps the job if not my three targets and I'm not going to go in depth with them because Tom does have managerial targets my three targets my main target would be Maurizio Pochettino. Agreed. My second target would probably be Eric Ten Hag. Yeah. And then my third target at the moment would probably be Marcelo Gallardo. Just because I don't see Nagelsmann leaving Leipzig. And I kind of want to look at realistic targets. Yeah, so obviously it would seem harsh for Oli to get the sack from Man United if they did get Champions League. Because that would have probably been his objective at the start of the season. Mm -hmm. To take them to a Champions League spot. However, if you look under the surface of it, obviously, if they get the Champions League, people will think, what's the trouble there? He's taking them back from Europa League to Champions League. He's doing a good job. However, David Moyes was sacked after 34 games as Man Mark United Mark Goldbridge manager. loves tweeting that. <laughs> <laughs> David Moyes was yeah. sacked as Man United manager after 34 games. Mm-hmm. I think on 57 points. I could Yeah, and then they finished with 64 points. And they finished with 64 yeah. points. I think Oli needs to win seven of his last nine games to amount, yeah. amass the same points tally. For me personally, I don't see that happening. So if we're looking at the underlying problems, it's they're on course for a worse points tally than David Moyes. Yeah. And we're looking at, for me, a far worse Premier League. So, Definitely less competitive. And when you watch Man United, I don't get the feeling that there's a system in place that they're doing something special, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're building up a team which you think a few additions and they've got the right system I don't think Oli's really got a system in place it's hard to see what they're doing on the training ground on the pitch for me Yeah. so I think for me managerial targets um, I think Pochettino has to be number one because he's available as well he's available yeah. he would definitely go it's one of the biggest clubs in the world mm-hmm. and he's shown that he can play with he can work with young players 
what, what with life. some dead wood, really. Because well, yeah. if you think about people that he improved at Tottenham as well, even like the likes of Musa Sissoko, who was like scapegoated for ages, and then he yeah. became the fan favourite, like because Pochettino kind of saw that he could work with him. Yeah, and he was a tactically flexible manager yeah. at Spurs as well. You've seen him deploy four two three ones mm-hmm. and three at the back sometimes in that sixteen seventeen season. Uh, deployed the diamond yeah. for the first half of 17 And obviously, I mean, as much as people will ban Spurs off about not winning a trophy, probably deserved a trophy, I think. Over, he, deserve over, he deserved a trophy. Whether that be the FA I've been Cup, critical League, of Champions League. I've been critical of him before for mm-hmm. not winning a trophy at Spurs. The team was definitely good enough to do so. It was, but... But mm-hmm. if you look at the team he traded and the team he helped build up, like Kane, Ali, these were guys that we had no idea who they were before Pochettino mm-hmm. really took them. Son obviously came from Bayer Leverkusen, but became a completely different animal under yeah. Poch. So you've got a lot of players there which have improved under Poch. And he's got that, whilst he's a tactically flexible manager in terms of formation, you've got the same principles of aggression and like attacking philosophy with the ball and just like taking the game to the opposition rather than like a Jose Mourinho who sort of just waits for you to make a mistake in a way. Yeah. And I think that'll be a much more popular philosophy of footwork, a theatre of dreams. Yeah, de- definitely. So yeah, for me, Pochettino definitely has to be the number one candidate for Man United manager. He's available. He's got Premier League experience. The fans will all know who he is, even like the older fans who maybe not so maybe not so aware of managers from foreign leagues. However, my number two target, you have already mentioned his name. He's a bit unrealistic. You would think that he would carry out this project with RB Leipzig. <laughs> However, we're talking about Man United. Julian. We're talking about Man United, biggest club in the world. You need to be able to get a manager out of RB Leipzig for me. Mm-hmm. So I think Nagelsmann has to be the number two candidate. Yeah. So for me, whilst he's not got the trophy winning pedigree of like could, some more could experienced have, Could managers, have a trophy at the end of the season. He though. could have the trophy at, at the end of the season with Leipzig. Yeah. Could mm-hmm. be a Champions League. Champions League, Bundesliga. I, I mean... I don't even... I, they might still be in the DFB Pokal. For sure. me, I wasn't... Before Jose Mourinho got appointed by Spurs, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure whether he was a finished manager and you could say, oh, he's just finished. But for me, I think when you look at Leipzig versus Tottenham over both legs, you can just see that Nagelsmann, the the archetype of manager Nagelsmann is, is just the new age of football. For me. That that's what Jose Mourinho was. That's like what Jose Mourinho was, came on the scene yeah. with like not in terms of stylistically, but in terms of just the equivalent manager personality, like kind of. Yes. I mean, Nagelsmann's not as arrogant or. Yeah. He's not annoying, like, like I am a special one. yeah, exactly. You know I mean? He's, like, he's not doing these slides down old track. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, Noel Wisman has to be the number two candidate. For because if you look at what he's done at Hoffenheim, I think I'm not hundred percent sure about this, but I think he did take them from Bundesliga two to the Bundesliga. Didn't he? They got sixth place finish, and yeah. he he drastically improved them. I'm not sure if they were in Bundesliga two or not, but I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Yeah. But anyway, so Noel Wisman, if you look at what he did with Hoffenheim, he took mm-hmm. them to the Champions League, which is. Yeah. Pretty unprecedented in, the, in recent years for a club of Hoffenheim stature. So Shout out as well to um, his development of Reese Nelson. I know yeah. that John, John and Sean would be... Reese Nelson early on in his loan spell at, yeah. <laughs> um, at Hoffenheim was yeah. looking amazing. Seven goals. Rookie, the rookie of the month as well. Even Yeah, <laughs> rookie of the month. What but that's, that's kind of besides the if point. If you look at uh, Reese Nelson's like collection of trophies, like Premier League 2 Premier League. <laughs> 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 and rookie of the month in the Bundesliga. I mean... Yeah. I mean are there any players that have got both of those awards? I don't Probably think so. not. <laughs> like, but anyway, no. another player you look at what he's done with that Hoffenheim was Joel Linton. Who was yeah, freaking He's brilliant. warranted a £40 million move to the Premier League. Frauded his way to the Prem, just like now, we're frauding our way to uni. And now he's literally, <laughs> he's literally got defenders outscoring him in the 
yeah. Premier League for Newcastle. So you can see what Nilsson can do to a player. He's improved individuals drastically. Imagine what he could do to Phil Jones. Imagine. <laughs> and Phil Jones might eventually be England captain. If we all Future England captain? <laughs> Adam McCola. <laughs> yeah, and Robbie's like, God help England then. <laughs> yeah, so Nilsson, for me, you can see, like I was saying, over two legs against Tottenham, mm-hmm. you can see for me that's a new age of football. Like Tottenham for me just didn't look like they were going to score a goal over both legs. I know they've got injuries, but like you can see man for man, really, Leipzig probably did have just as good a starting eleven in those games, but they completely dominated them. Mm-hmm. They looked like Tottenham was a championship team and Leipzig would be a Premier League team. Yeah. Like they taught them a lesson in football, just kept the ball, were aggressive in possession. I saw um a stat where it was like in yesterday's game it was 32 tackles to Tottenham's 9 mm-hmm. and 54% possession for Leipzig so I mean like, Tottenham they just kind of got played off the park didn't they they, they weren't the they weren't really worthy and you know we did say that that could happen but we were a bit reluctant to predict the Leipzig yeah. win so just going on record like we knew we knew about RB Leipzig <laughs> before the streets yeah, knew about RB Leipzig yeah we knew that they were a good side for me it's just that Tottenham always I always say they're going to get knocked out and they do mm-hmm. yeah. so who would be your third candidate so for me, I was struggling here because mm-hmm. like, obviously there's Eric Ten Hag who's a potential candidate. I think he'll probably get the Bayern job. He'll probably get the Bayern job. If, if potentially they, if they want him. the job one day, I think. Oh, yeah, but you know. That's, I don't think that's in the near future. No, for and that kind of, you know, watch our, watch episode, what was it, episode two? Episode yeah. two. We episode two, we talk about Barcelona. So if you yeah, want more go, context. Go check that out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shameless plug of our own <laughs> podcast. Inside our own podcast. <laughs> like the play within a play. <laughs> Shout out to Drillium Shakespeare. <laughs> What an album! If you haven't listened to that, just go and listen to it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, so my third target for manager would have to be Nuno Espirito Santo for me. Oh, that's a good one, you know. That's so a really good because one, obviously, there's for me Nuno. What he's shown is that he's a Premier League proven manager. Wolves are like in and around Champions League places right now. It's not like unprecedented for them to go and get the Champions League this year like yeah. it's like very much within their reach it's within their reach I don't think it will happen but and I think you've mm-hmm. seen Man United play a five at the back in a lot of games yeah. this season and it's Luke Shaw it's at left centre back I mean, it's worked for mm-hmm. them it has to be fair mm-hmm. against Man City you see the other day like yeah. a 2-0 win they even Liverpool, Liverpool at home they were yeah. they got 1-1 draw but Chelsea at Stamford Bridge as well 2-0 so, win there so yeah Nuno's shown that he can play a counter-attacking style of football which I think is currently suited to mm-hmm. the players that Man United have when you look yeah. at the likes of Rashford James mm-hmm. and I think Maguire works better than back three because he's, yeah. like, he's not the most mobile but also I think like, you know something that people forget about Maguire is what really hyped him up was that World Cup and he, and he was playing in a back three yeah exactly yeah. So Nuno, another thing I think about Nuno is he's shown he can build that relationship between the fans and the team. Yeah. You can see the Wolves fans absolutely love Nuno. Mm-hmm. They love the players. You can see Nuno at the end of Wolves games where he's going into that stand and he's doing like the three cheers like yeah. Klopp does it. So for me, I think that can be such a key factor of a manager. Just the relationship with the fans and a, just a feel-good factor. Well, mm-hmm. I think Oli has brought that feel-good factor to Man United at the moment. And all the fans, well, not all the fans, but like, I feel like the match going fans are all behind Oli. Really. I think Oli, the thing is with Oli, is it would be the same with most managers, but I think with Oli, it's like when the results are going well, like everybody at Man United wants to see Oli do well. All United fans want to see Oli do well. But I don't know. I, I think a few don't. <laughs> but I mean, what, I, I think the problem with Oli is as soon as the results decline, the, the support for the team declines, which yeah. is the same with anybody, but everybody's kind of living in this fantasy like oh Ollie could be Ollie's really good wheel. Ollie's <laughs> at the wheel and then when it doesn't happen everybody's like shit we've got Ollie in charge yeah, <laughs> like, even you see like they've picked up in recent games when Bruno Fernandes has come in yeah. so 
the recent form, like even you were saying before this like recent run of form, you were saying that you'd probably get rid of Oli. Yeah. But now it's just like the narrative sort of changes with form. But that's it? just football as well. Yeah. It's football just, changes. You it's know the what I mean? Of football really just like because if this was ten years ago, we wouldn't have been talking about Man United rebuild. Exactly. Like yeah. <laughs> a lot can check as Roy Keane said, you know, in the interview we were watching yeah. before, <laughs> just doing a bit of you know digging over Roy Keane's Man United interviews. Yeah. Um, he was saying, you know. 10 years ago could you imagine Man United being in this kind of position no way not a chance no I think that just goes to show how good Sir Alex was though goes to show how good Sir Alex was how far they've fallen all yeah. of the above so if we're talking about we've got our managers done I think you have to go for Poch for me. I think both of us are saying I'm saying as well Poch's my number one target but you're keeping Oli I'm keeping Oli if they get Champions League because I want to give him another season yeah. now let's move on to not first of all we'll go transfer targets but what positions have you identified as kind of key? So for me, I think... Oh, actually, we'll do sales and then we'll yeah, do... Yeah. yeah, So there's a few players that Man United to get, <laughs> need to get rid of. There's a lot of deadwood at that club. When you look at the incomings they've had over the years since Sir Alex has retired, yeah. there's a lot of deadwood that's coming and they've shifted a lot of players out for less than they brought them in. So I, they need I a, actually think as well they've shifted a lot of players that they could have kept a hold of like yeah. Di Maria I think they definitely yeah. could have kept Depay Depay they could have kept and Depay I think I think it was right for Depay to go but then at the same time it's like I think it was right for Rene Adelaide to leave Arsenal and yeah. Malin to leave Arsenal but it's now right you're player, looking yeah you're not looking at it as a yeah. right thing for the club yeah so I think Depay they could have definitely held on to Herrera they should have kept last season don't really understand why they didn't like, I think Herrera was demanding big wages yeah. there, wasn't he? I still would have given it to a, him. That's just a product of the club's mm-hmm. mismanagement of just like giving mm-hmm. out wages. Like yeah. the Sanchez contract was ridiculous. Disgraceful. Absolutely and disgraceful. And it just inflated what everyone mm-hmm. wants. Yeah. But even, I mean, there's there's a lot of players that that came in as well that could have done better. Like Daily Blinds. Like, like, I think Daily Blinds a good player. Yeah, I, I think Daily Blinds. No, but what I mean is like when he was at United, he wasn't great. And I think you look at their recruitment and everything, there's a lot of players that actually, maybe the recruitment wasn't that bad. It was just yeah. kind of the personnel, everything. Maybe the manager. But then the also there, there have been some absolute clangs, like Matteo Darmian. Like, yeah. did, he win his, did he win his place out of a cereal box? <laughs> like, how did, he, how did he get to sign for Manchester Schwein's United? Like, I think that's just a big name sign. That was a clanger like, as well. They yeah. just didn't think about it, did he they? Was, he was training with the 23s for yeah. half the time he was at United. They just didn't think yeah. about it. The fact that he's aging. They just saw... Yeah. I remember, I saw a tweet the other day just like comparing... Um, so there was like a tweet of a Man United fan saying, <laughs> oh, look, we're signing Schweinsteiger and they're signing Milner. But you see which one's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Out, you know what I mean? So we have gone with... We've started with a £200 million budget. Yes. And then we've said 25% of transfer revenue because we don't know Man United's budget. Yeah. We've said 200 million is maybe a bit generous, but to yeah. compensate, we've gone a quarter of yeah, all of the sales generated. It's like not career mode. It's not like you just get 100% of the <laughs> sale that you get from a player. And yeah. We don't want to keep it realistic. So. And also, it's not career mode in the sense that you can get whoever you want. Exactly. Like, we're trying to keep it realistic. We've got... Fairly we, we, fairly yeah, realistic. exactly. Fairly realistic because we've not gone, oh, messy. Um... You know, yeah, just splash the whole budget at him. <laughs> he, he said something about Eric Abidal. Let's pay <laughs> ten million. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, we've got so in, looking at sales. Sales. I think we've both got the exact same sales, yeah, yeah. but we've got Rojo ten million, yeah. Jones ten million, Smalling to Roma for fifteen million. Yeah. Just because you could keep Smalling, but I actually don't think you need to. And I think if you can get fifteen million for a thirty-one-year-old centre back yeah. who wasn't great at Man United. 
but is in line for a testimonial, which is hilarious. Um, I saw Phil Jones is in line for Phil a Jones can get well. a testimonial as well. That is mental. So then I, we've said Matic. I said Matic, 15 mil. That yeah. might be a bit generous, but I feel like someone in Italy would pay that. Or Jose, just Premier League premium as well, yeah. isn't it? Jose Mourinho. <laughs> get Matic in for 15 mil. That um, summarises career. Yeah. I said Sanchez, 15 mil as well. Yeah. And then we've said Lingard and Pereira, 20 mil each. Yeah. And then we've gone De Gea, 50 mil, yeah. and Pogba, 100 mil. And we will, we will talk about Pogba later, but yeah. we don't want to get into this big Pogba debate now. Yeah. So we'll talk about Pogba later. So what I calculated was that gives us about 265 million yes. to spend. Yeah? Yeah. So if we're going transfers in. Shall we just go at um, positions that we're looking at first? Yeah. So for me, the, I would love to try and get a centre-back partner for Maguire, because I don't think <laughs> any of the current ones are properly good enough. Yeah. But I don't think for the targets that I'm going for in other positions, We'd, it's I don't more think we've got enough yeah. money for a centre. It's not the most important. And yeah. well, I think there is enough good options at centre back. Mm-hmm. For um, I think you've got Lindelof there. You've got by Twanzebi. I think Twanzebi is very good. Yeah. I think Twanzebi. He showed at Aston Villa <laughs> on loan that he was a good player. But also this season when he's played, he's been good. But yeah. he's just been unlucky with injuries and everything. So. He's a really athletic centre back, and he <laughs> can keep, he can play the ball on the floor and stuff. I think it will be a decent complementary. Like, I think Maguire and Tuanzebi's styles of centre-backs complement each other well. They're mm-hmm. both good with the ball on the floor. Maguire's less mobile and can bring the ball out maybe a bit more yeah. by like, dribbling. But Tuanzebi's more a flex centre-back who can cover for him. So what are you prioritising? What, so, f- what are the positions you picked up? I've gone for three positions which are key. Mm-hmm. I think left-back, they definitely need a left-back. Yeah. Whilst Luke Shaw is not the worst and Brandon Williams is coming through, Yeah, I think... They de- if you can get a top quality left back, you've mm-hmm. got two top quality fullbacks there, and Wan Bissaka and whoever yeah. this fullback is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think fullbacks they're such a key aspect of modern football. And if you're bringing a manager like Poch, you can see what he did with um, Danny Rose and Kyle Walker at Tottenham. So you can see it can be kind of integral to a Poch mm-hmm. system. So yeah. I think a left back is key. I think especially if Pop was leaving, we're going to need a CDM, yeah. a proper DM though, someone who can be a p- part of a balanced midfield with Bruno mm-hmm. Fred. And then a more defensive-minded, more disciplined player yeah. that can, you know, bring Man United mm-hmm. from like defence to attack and mm-hmm. so, things such as this. And then the last position I think we desperately need is a right winger yeah. because you don't want Mason Greenwood and that da- or Daniel James out there because neither of them are natural right wingers. But also Mason Greenwood, like, he's only recently turned seventeen point four anyway, so <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. he's not, he's, he's not, only a baby. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I went for my sort of targets yeah. I said my priority is a top class DM yeah. it was originally a cam because I wrote I, I did this script yeah. before Bruno Fernandes but obviously Bruno's here we don't need a cam Bruno's so, incredible yeah. as well can I just say that yeah. way, I thought he was good but the way he's hit the ground running I don't think I could have expected that yeah. personally so. I mean I told you so but <laughs> he did tell me so to be fair. I knew he was a good player I just didn't yeah. think he'd hit the ground running so I've gone for a top class DM yeah. A left back to compete with Brandon Williams and Luke Shaw. Yeah. Two right wingers, but one is a firmly a backup right winger. Yeah. And another centre mid. So a DM, a centre mid, a left back and two right wingers. Yeah. So I'll start with my top DM target because okay, I want to talk oh, about this talk guy. About this guy yeah. Florentino Louise Remember from Benfica. Name. Remember the name. The next Wilfred Ndidi. Potentially, you know, he's literally, he's the original Wilfred Ndidi. He is, <laughs> yeah. he is literally Ndidi in the Liga Nos. 8.5 tackles and interceptions per 90. Benfica, though. 
he's got 120 million pound release clause. <laughs> I just have to set that in there straight away. And they weren't exactly flexible with the Jao Felix. They weren't so. flexible with the Jao Felix sale. Gedson Fernandez as well had yeah. like a 50 something million release clause, and he was dog at Benfica. And, and he's gonna he's gonna go on to be dog at Tottenham. Let yeah. that be known. He is useless. <laughs> Yeah, um, looked impressive. Yeah. But they, they weren't haggling over that. So I've said, I think they are tough negotiators, but I feel like you could potentially get them out for 60. Yeah, because I think if you look at the Jao Felix sale, Jao Felix was like making a name for himself in the Europa League. Yeah. And I think a lot of our listeners won't even know who Florentino Luis is. I don't think they will. So, and that just proves as well. Culture yourselves. How do you not know? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but I think, I think Florentino Luis, 60 million... That that would be, I think that would solve so many problems. He's not the best dribbler, but he's got very good passing numbers. Like I said, 8.5 tackles and interceptions per yeah. 90 at the time I wrote it. I don't know what it is now. It could have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I saw his, um, when I went on who scored and I watched a bit of his highlights and yeah. everything, because, you know, we're doing proper scouting. Um, <laughs> I was blown away by this kid and 20 years of age could be nurtured into one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. So I think 60 million, that's what I'm paying. And if I can't secure one of my other targets, which we will talk about, yeah. then I'm paying the 120 if I have to. Oof. If I have to. Then I'll go with my backup DM target and then you can do your targets. Yeah. Um, my backup DM target is Calvin Phillips from Leeds for about 30 million. I think we don't have to talk too much about Calvin Phillips because con- contradicting um, or in contrast, sorry, to... Florentino Luiz. I feel like a lot of our listeners will know who Calvin Phillips is because he's got a lot of good press because he's English, because he's coming up from the championship. Bielsa has played under that kind of, you know, he's played under Bielsa. He's played in a fluid system, could really work really well under Poch or Gallardo if they were to come in. Feel like he'd do a good job under Oli. Very good, can fill in at centre back as well, Mm -hmm. let it be known. Um, So I think Calvin Phillips comes in for around £30 million. 24. So he's not the youngest, but at the same time, he's got plenty of time. So he could be there for six, seven years easily. So I think Calvin Phillips for 30 million would be a brilliant signing if you can't get Florentino Louise. Yeah. And then my third target is this guy called William from Wolfsburg. William, William, Drillium, Shakespeare. <laughs> like William from um, Wolfsburg, Brazilian, CDM, very, very good numbers. Again, like good tackle and interception numbers, etc. He, the Bundesliga is a great market to buy from. Yes. I think you could get him for about 25, 30 million, but not too much on him just because he's the third target. And I think if you can't get Florentino, you can definitely get Calvin Phillips. Yeah. I think Calvin Phillips was my backup DM. Yeah. Because well. mm-hmm. I think obviously he's got, he's English, so he'll fill that homegrown quota. From yeah, exactly. Answer. Everybody loves a homegrown quota <laughs> player. Yeah, so Calvin Phillips, every time I watch Leeds, I'm impressed. Him, um, Ben White always impressed me when yeah. I watch Leeds. Don't get to watch them all the time, but mm-hmm. it's just like, I want to do. They have, they have loads of good players, though, as well. Uh, but my priority for DM was Wilfred Ndidi. So the actual Wilfred Ndidi, <laughs> not Florentino. <laughs> not, Florentino the, not the original Wilfred Ndidi, the so, real yeah, one. I think Wilfred Ndidi, I think, for me, he's been like definitely top three DMs in the Premier League this best, season. Best, best defensive midfielder in the world at the moment. <sighs> That's a big shout. I don't know about that. But, um, in my opinion, best defensive midfielder in the I think world. he's definitely in with a shout for what he's done this season. At Leicester, I think mm-hmm. he's got the most tackles and interceptions combined in the league. And he's been injured. And like you can mm-hmm. see, you could see as well the difference for Leicester yeah. when he was injured. Because I remember having a discussion as well yeah. about him, and we were saying, you know what, like Chowdhury is Chowdhury's a good player, but he's nowhere near as good as Wilfred Ndidi. Ndidi, he just like he's got like 
a little bit like in Wan Bissaka where he's got the long legs, so he just he seems to intercept things. He seems to get slide tackles mm-hmm. in when the player seems to be away. And he's seen in Leicester's form just completely dipped and yeah. indeed he got injured. He's so integral to that side. Mm-hmm. He's the most, apart from maybe Vardy, he's their most important I'd say indeed he's much more important than Vardy. Like, he's just completely I'd say I'd say field. even Madison's more important than Vardy. Yeah. I, I think they're, but yeah. I think I'd say <laughs> Vardy more important than Madison yeah. personally. But if we're going back to Ndidi, just like such a good player. And it, for me, while you could have like a midfield, say Poppy did sign a new contract, which yeah. rumours were circulating today. Yeah. A midfielder, for me, a midfield of Ndidi, Fred and Bruno is better than a midfield of Pogba, Fred and Bruno because just yeah, the balance. Because the balance, yeah. Because like, you see United fans on Twitter talking, yeah. oh, Pogba signs a new deal. We've got Fred, Pogba and Bruno. Well, it's like, Completely that's just balanced. not, it's not balanced. Like, you need a Wilfred Ndidi who's just a well-disciplined defensive presence. Scott McTominay. He, yeah, Scott McTominay is definitely in rotation. I rate McTominay. I rate McTominay and I don't want people to get that twisted because I really do think McTominay is such, energy he brings he's such a valuable member of a squad. Yeah. Like, everybody needs a McTominay and he could be the kind of Henderson type yeah. figure. Because I feel like everybody's yeah. reluctant to praise McTominay because it is Scott McTominay. <laughs> yeah. But McTominay, very, very good. Scored a great goal on the weekend. I was so yeah. buzzing for him. I love when I, <laughs> I just love when a player like that comes through the ranks. You yeah. can see their passion for the yeah. club. Like, the way he celebrates <laughs> that goal, yeah. like, everyone's in the corner. With I him. think McTominay's problem, and you know, we'll talk, actually, we'll talk about that later yeah. on. Keep going with your DMs. Yeah, I think for me, McTominay isn't disciplined enough to just mm-hmm. stay in position and yeah. like, be that defensive minded midfielder. So, Ndidi would be my choice for DM just for that. Discipline. I think he's got a bit of an underrated passing range too. I've seen him do yeah. a few pings on the weekend. Oh, he's just he's just amazing. Yeah, he's just no, there amazing. is no one better than Wilfred. <laughs> just like unbelievable. I think we're looking at about. I don't know. I might have been a bit lower here. I've gone for sixty-five million Wilfred and Didi. Do you know? I think you're gonna have to pay maybe eighty. I think. I think it's in that range. It could even be a hundred. Like I would pay. Do you know? I said this. I'd pay a hundred and. 50. Current market. I'd, I'd pay 150 for Ndidi. I think he's that good. That's how good I think he is. I'd pay 100 max. I'd pay 100. <laughs> if there was 150 to spend, I would pay it for Ndidi. So, yeah, like I said, um, but, Calvin Phillips yeah. would have been my backup DM target. I think he can be a great player <laughs> at Man United, especially if he, you brought in a pot who's better at nurturing players. And you see players in recent years coming from the championship, like Mings, Grealish this year. You've seen Diogo Jota last year. Yeah. James Madison, loads of players come from the championship and just set an in. Saeed Ben Rama about to come up. Yeah, a, a Berriese maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, so my third DM target was uh, Sumare out of um, League One for League. See, I love Sumare. However, but he's not my DM target. <laughs> he comes in later on. Yeah, so Sumare, he has played a lot for DM at, at DM this year for Lille. He's played fifteen games there mm-hmm. this year, so he's got like. For me, the reason why he's my third target, he is a better player than Calvin Phillips right now, you would say. Definitely. But he's not got that... I looked at his who scored and they said one of his weaknesses is just discipline, just yeah. staying in position. While he's like quite silky in the ball, they said he's good at set pieces and things like that mm-hmm. on the scout report. Yeah. He's not going to be that disciplined DM that they need. That's going to bring the balance in the midfield of like a, for example, an Ndidi, Fred and Bruno. So mm-hmm. I think while Sumar is a very talented player, clearly, and will do a fantastic job wherever he goes for me, I think Ndidi has to be the DM target. So, if we move on from DMs, I'm thinking left-backs next. Because we've probably got a different kind of take on the left-back position. For me, you don't need to get a world-class left-back because you've got Brandon Williams. And I really, I'm a massive fan of Brandon Williams. And I'm surprised when I hear people talking about Brandon Williams that they don't rate them as highly as I do. I think Brandon Williams is very, very good. I've even said he could potentially get on the plane to the Euros. Um, But... 
so my left back is going to be someone who can come in and be the first choice, but is probably going to get eclipsed by Brandon Williams, in my opinion. So my top left back target is Vendel from Bayer Leverkusen, who I Decent think player. is a very, very, very good player. 26, so I've said he's the kind of the perfect blend of he's on the younger, still kind of youngish in terms of he's got probably four or five years at the top level, maybe even six. But he's really experienced. He's been in the Bundesliga for ages. Consistent performer. He's been in the Bundesliga team of the season a couple of times at least, I think. Potentially available for around 25 million because you're buying out the Bundesliga. Yeah. And he's 26. So, again, he's not too young. So, that would be my top left-back target. Not too much more to say on Vendel because I just think he's a very, very solid option. My backup left-back target would be Bernardo from Brighton. Because I actually... He had a very, very good debut season in the PL. And he's still young, and he could definitely rotate well enough with Williams, I think, in the left-back position. And I think you could get him for maybe as little as 15 million. Like, Because he, he doesn't even start every week for Brighton, yeah. which I just fail to understand, because he is so good. Like, he really, he's really is so good. Yeah, exactly. Because he's clearly got the talent whenever you watch him. He's yeah. just, like, probably disciplinary issues, I would say. And then my third left-back target... So all of my left backs, to be honest, I don't really mind which one of which yeah. one of these we're getting. My third left back target is Ridciano Haps from Feyenoord. So it's a bit of a tongue twister. This yeah, this was <laughs> this was one of that took a lot of digging. Um, but you know, according to who scored, he's statistically he's been the best left back in the Eredivisie this season. Mm-hmm. And I think you can get some good deals out of the Eredivisie. Uh, we've seen people like Bergvine. Come yeah, from the Eredivisie. Like, obviously, Ziyech but hasn't gone to Chelsea, Ziyech, but they got a good yeah. deal, like 33 million. But so. you look at some of the guys in the Eredivisie at the moment, and you've got Daniel Malin, who should go to a bigger club. You've got that guy, um, you've got Calvin Stengs at AZ. You also got, you've got Van der Beek at Ajax. You've got Bodu at AZ, or Boadu. Yeah. You, obviously, Frankie went to Barca. Mateus went to Juve. Yeah. Um, you could have had Tagliafico, but I don't think Tagliafico is great. He was kind of hyped up a lot last season. Just the Champions League run. Exactly. Like so at yeah. So we'll say for me, we'll say, yeah, around fifteen to thirty million. I think you can get back. Haps. Yeah. So for me, I've gone for a more well-known left back and a more like world-class sort of bracket for bracket, left backs yeah. because. I don't think there is many actually. There's not many at yeah. the moment. You're looking at Andy Robertson for me is like one of the only truly. Because <laughs> I wouldn't even say backs. Alfonso Davis because I like Alfonso yeah, Davis. Alfonso but... Davis is my target for left yeah. back. <laughs> so I really rate this guy, and I think fullbacks. If you've got a quality fullback on both sides of the pitch, it can just be so. It can be so vital to a team mm-hmm. for me. I think if you watched the Chelsea Bayern game the other week, you've seen how good this guy. He is. was he was unbelievable. He was he's so good. Nineteen, I think, as well. He's yeah. Canadian. He's yeah. Canadian sort of stash American as well. Yeah, I Canadian. So he was at Vancouver Whitecaps. Edward um, would all love that a little bit of marketing. In yeah, trust me. <laughs> Getting new fans all over the world, but for me, yeah, Alfonso Davis. He's like such a great dribbler, great attacking threat down the thing. Whilst you've got Wan Bissaka on the other side, who's not as much of an attacking threat. I think you need a at least one of your fullbacks to be in more attacking threat. Can you imagine this, the 100 metre race in training? Yes. Dan James, Alfonso Davis, Marcus that's Rashford. Another, yeah. Like <laughs> That's another thing to be said about Alfonso Davis. He is absolutely rapid. Unbelievably like, quick. So yeah, whilst he, so he is very young and very talented and considered by many like one of the best left backs in the world even yeah. at the moment. Even at the, in, incorrectly. I disagree. I think that every time I watch this guy play, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. But he is a left mid by nature. So he's kind of going, I think, yeah, I, was, I was speaking to Nathan Smith about this the other day. We were saying about how difficult the transition is from left mid to left, 
back and that you can have, you know, you can have a lot of very good games and then, you know, shit can hit the fan and you can kind of, you know, you can really tail off. And I think Alfonso Davis is probably a very, 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 is going to be a very, very good left back. But they, I just think there's a risk there. There's a risk. And but... I have no idea how much money you're going to have to pay for Alfonso Davis. <laughs> what did you put for your I've price? Down, I've put 55 million down. Even... See, I think that's probably fair. I yeah. would I would say you might have to pay up to 70. But then again, like, I, you don't know, you do don't you? Know. Yeah. And Bayern, don't, they're not, they don't sell, really, ever. Yeah, they don't. They're not so a selling club. I think 55 million, you can potentially get him out. Yeah. So I think, because, you know, whilst he's like 19 years old, it, whilst you could add value to that, it also means he's relatively like unproven. He hasn't had yeah, like a full exactly. That's That would be my worry with Alfonso Davis. But I think if you get Alfonso Davis, 19-year-old left back, clearly very talented, clearly mm-hmm. like, can be a good left, one of the world's best left backs in yeah. the coming years. And you've got wan Bissaka on the other side. If you can lock that down, for like, you can have Alfonso Davis and wan Bissaka as your left, as your fullbacks for the next 10 years. Yeah, definitely. And if you can have Two fullbacks, which are a staple of your team for a long period of time, I think that's just such integral to mm-hmm. such a like, one of like hopefully a dynasty if we're mm-hmm. going with this route. Yeah. So yeah, Alfonso Davis was my first left back target. My second left back target, it's not really a left back by nature, but um, can cover a left back and centre back. So if we're looking at someone who can like rotate with Brandon Williams, yeah. for example, uh, Malang Sar. So he's played left back and left centre back a bit this yeah. season. How much is he available for? About seventeen point four million. Seventeen point four. That's it's a good price. Do you know it's what I mean? Price, yeah, you might not... be hard pushed to meet the deadline. Though. Yeah, they said about fifteen to twenty. Yeah, uh, who's mm-hmm. called himself yeah. one foot around the middle? 17. Yeah, seventeen point four. Yeah. So um, yeah, Malang Sol. Um What can we say about him? He's had. I looked at his numbers this season. He's mm-hmm. got two interceptions on per game per yeah. night even, yeah. and one tackle. So he's more. Whilst he is quite athletic, he's yeah. more of an intelligent player yeah. where he's going to read the game over, like, just give you a few yards and... Could probably up. play left centre-back in a back yeah, three if you, as if well. if you're going to bring yeah. Nuno in, you can yeah. play... Well, like, I think he's much more suited to that position than yeah. Luke Shaw, for example. Yeah. Oh, so, Jesus, yeah. I think Malang size can be such a valuable squad player if you bring mm-hmm. him for that sort of money. So, like, you can cover a left-back, mm-hmm. cover a centre-back, play in a back three. So, you've got an athletic player, though, who can read the game well. Decent range of passing, from what I can see on the YouTube videos. Obviously, yeah. don't want to get too misled by that. Don't but. do that thing where you look at YouTube videos, and then you, what you have to do with YouTube videos is either look at someone's numbers first, and then look at their YouTube highlights, or do it the other way around. Because yeah. I remember... You have to look at both. I remember coming in after I watched Pepe's highlights, <laughs> and I was, I was like... This guy is the best player I've ever seen in my life. He's so good. <laughs> he's, I think I said he was potentially better than Mbappe last season. Yeah, no, and, mate. you know, I, I tweeted about this guy all summer and it actually came true. Like, <laughs> do you remember when I tweeted about Pepe? Yeah, no. yeah. The problem with Pepe is just decision-making yeah. on the right foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, yeah, exactly. It just lets him down massively. So, that's... So, left-back target number two, Malang Saar. Yeah. Did you have a third target? I just put Chilwell down. Chilwell, yeah. But I don't think Chilwell was a good I don't even think Chilwell was great, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think, think Chilwell's fine. I think he's a solid left back. Like, yeah. probably is England's best left back at the yeah. moment. But it's just like, for the money you'd have to pay, I don't think he's worth that much. <laughs> and you can get, I think there's just multiple left backs where you can get at a better price who are probably better than Chilwell yeah. as well. So, also another position we didn't mention before is goalkeeper. We're not looking at any goalkeeper yeah, exactly. apart from Dean Henderson. Yeah. So, Dean Henderson, he's been amazing for Sheffield United. And he has not had as many clangers as David De Gea. Well, his season. record speaks for itself. When you put them, when you put his record beside De Gea, 
Um, and if you want to check that out, literally just Google Dean Henderson yeah. versus De Gea. There's loads of pictures about it and everything. Um, yeah, it speaks for itself. Yeah, Dean Henderson, better goalkeeper. I think you just put faith in him as Man United's number one next season. I think mm-hmm. he'll live up to it for me personally. Yeah. And I, I mean, I saw reports the other day that Real Madrid are looking at a £70 million bid for De Gea. Now, why on earth you'd want to pay £70 million for a keeper who's 29 um, in decline, in my opinion. Yeah, he's been making um, mistakes ever since yeah. the World Cup, really. If you can get seven, if you can get fifty for De Gea, you take it. Like yeah. if they're offering you seventy, you go, it's fine. We'll just take fifty, and you can have it. <laughs> like yeah. we'll we'll pay twenty million to get him on the plane. Go on the plane. Like yeah. that's your plane ticket. Fly first don't class. Don't be too harsh on De Gea because yeah. he's been an amazing servant. For and me. also, I mean, he single-handedly, well, not single-handedly, but second place in twenty in seventeen eighteen. You'd attribute that more to De Gea than any yeah. other, like. Well, he he he. He overperformed on expected goals by 12 goals. Ridiculous. Like, that's actually crazy. They were yeah. supposed to concede 40 and they conceded 28. How is that even a thing? I remember saying DT after his interview, <laughs> in, and he said De Gea could save the Titanic. Yeah. And I actually don't think that was too far-fetched after that game. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so goalkeeper, just Dean Henderson. Yeah. Romero can be the number two. And Lee Grant, who signed a new contract the other day for some yeah. strange reason. Um, because, you know, there were so many clubs after Lee Grant. Like, yeah. <laughs> like um, he signed a contract the other day. So yeah, he can be number three. Or even Nathan, Nathan Bishop, the guy they signed yeah. in January, he can so be the number got, three. Um, if you've got Dean Henderson and Romero, you've got two very satisfactory quality goalkeepers there and yeah. even if one gets injured I don't think one's too much better than the other yeah. I'd lean towards Dean Henderson just because he's been active but I don't think if you replace Dean Henderson with Romero mm-hmm. and Sheffield United at the moment they'd be too different so you've got two quality goalkeepers there you can mm-hmm. get rid of the hail so you didn't put did you put down another centre mid or you no. just put CDM so I think I'll do my centre mids yeah, and then we'll, then we'll go right on wingers. to then we'll go on to right wingers yeah. yeah so my centre mid top target is Bubakare Samare. Now, the, the context in this is quite funny, actually, because I remember calling out Samare on Twitter. And I'll, I'll see if I can get the tweet up now, because he was linked with everybody under the sun in yeah, he was January. Madrid. Yeah. And, I mean, he could have gone to Newcastle, Steve Bruce said. That would like, have been that I would not want to have seen him at Newcastle, because I just know he would have been rubbish. Um, so, what I tweeted... In the tw- on the 21st of December 2019, Bubakari Samare linked with Tottenham and United. His underlying numbers suggest he'd struggle in the Premier League as a DM. Poor tackles and interceptions, yet seems a fantastic dribbler. Not worth 35 million plus. Then, about a month later, I think, You've opinions changed on Samare. <laughs> 6.5 ball recoveries per 90 and 14.5 final fir- passes attempted per 90 are frightening stats. And that is true, but the reason he is not my DM target is because he's not a defensive midfielder, yeah. in my opinion. He's my centre mid target to play number six. Now, my formation would be a 4 3 3. We'd have the holding midfielder, ideally, would be Florentino. The left centre mid would be Fred or Bubakari Samare. Yeah. And then my number eight is going to be my creator, and that's going to be Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Samare and Fred, I think, are quite similar, except from Samare is a better dribbler and better going forward, and Fred's a better, defense, better defensively. So maybe yeah. when you're playing against the, big t- uh, the smaller teams that United have struggled to break down yeah. vast, uh, vast amount of times this season, you put Samare in. And then when you're playing against the big teams um, and you want someone who's going to be able to, you know, uh, recover the loose balls and break up the play and just be what Fred does 
because he's the best player in the world at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> he loves Fred. Uh, I am a massive fan of Fred, which is why I kind of want to say Bubakari Samari is coming in to add competition, but he's not coming yeah. to replace Fred for me. My second target would be Callum McGregor from Celtic. Oh, now, right. as much as, you know, I don't want to say... Oh, and also, sorry, before I miss the price, for Bubakari Samari, I've said do not overpay. Because Lost Leal yeah. have just got 72 million for Pepe. So yeah. they could come and say, well, Samari's worth 60. You're paying 45 at max. Yeah. And if you want to play him as a DM, he's worth no more than 30 million, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. My backup target is Celtics Callum McGregor. Now, as much as Bias. I love <laughs> as much as I love Callum McGregor, um, I wouldn't actually be too fussed if he went, but he's definitely good enough to play for a top six club, in my opinion. Yeah. Celtics player of the year last season. I think he's on 11 goals in all competitions this year. It's his highest scoring from centre midfield. And what McGregor, the reason that's so impressive is because McGregor really controls the play. He's a tempo dictator. Um, Like, he, what McGregor does for Celtic is so vital. He, if you take McGregor out, he's what makes us tick. You take McGregor out, it's so much harder to play football with. He, He moves the ball. He's a brilliant progressor, like fantastic dribbler. Goal threat, 11 this season. Gets assists, brilliant passer. He's got tons of good attribute, attributes in terms of the fact that last few seasons, this season he's played the most minutes out of anybody in Europe. And last season he played 60 games. He's always fit. Jeez. He never misses matches. He's a leader. Um, like he's Celtics vice captain, he's a leader. He can do everything, in my opinion. Good tackler, great energy, runs all day. I've written down here that He's played with Grealish before. They played together at Notts <laughs> County. But that was obviously when I was thinking we'll get Jacko in. But we don't need Jack anymore. And that would be a stupid sign. I wrote Grealish, seen... but I just don't see how yeah, he fits into me. Exactly. Planet. And then my third target, who I'm not going to... McGregor could get for around 25, 30 million. Because yeah. he's 26. Five-year deal he recently signed at Celtic. But realistically, that kind of means he's in the shop window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> third target... And he would have been my top target for this position had he not been injured, is John McGinn. Oh, yeah. McGinn is close. Yeah. He's and I think great. if Villa get relegated, you could probably get him for 30 million. Maybe I think 30, 35. Yeah. yeah. But also, I think the reason that's lower is because um, his injury. So you could say, well, he's had this injury. Yeah. He's been out for a long time. Another thing is Villa, I think they're having a bit of FFP trouble as well. Yeah, exactly. So they might need to just get the money. In. And if they get relegated, they're just going to need to raise funds yeah. anyway. So... You know, the other, the only thing I'd say about the other two is that McGregor and Samare both have experience of playing Europa League and Champions League football. So that's the only yeah. thing that makes me kind of edge them over McGinn. I and I just think, that, I think McGinn's, I think McGinn's a great player, but I just think maybe Samare's a bit more of an exciting, you know, or like let's let's just yeah. sign somebody f- for the excitement factor because I think John McGinn is great, but. Um, I just think Samare probably adds a bit more in terms of going forward and he can do it. He can do the defensive stuff. Maybe not as well, but he can still do it. And also, this is just someone to compete with Fred. This yeah. isn't somebody who's going to be the, the, the centre of our team mm-hmm. and the staple piece. And I think John McGinn will have a lot of clubs after him if Villa go down. I think for me, out of those players, I would go for McGinn personally. Yeah. I think <laughs> McGinn is just brilliant. I love the energy he brings to the team. He's always put 100% effort in. 
like you you always need a player like that for me for them at the moment it's probably McTominay mm-hmm. but like the energy McGinn brings and he certainly can get a goal from midfield as well in yeah. the games he's played this season I remember that goal he scored last year in the championship this volley he scored but I think he got he got nine goals and seven assists in the championship last season he was, he was he was much better than Grealish last season yeah um, and uh, you know really really important but let's move on to right wingers yeah now, I'm not sure who your top target is, but I could probably have a guess that he's the same as mine. I think we've both got the same player in mind. Jaden Sancho. Absolute moss. England's best player at the moment, in my opinion. Nah. Wait, actually... Is it 19 goals. Is. No, sorry, that's Messi's stats. Sorry. Six, <laughs> um, I think it's like... Is I think it he's got 14 goals. 14, 14 and 14. I think it's... Yeah, he's 20. Because yeah. Messi's on 31 goal contributions. <laughs> yeah. Sancho's on 28. 14 and 14. 14 goals, 14 assists, can do it all, can play Cam right wing, Left but wing. We're, getting, we're getting him in to play right wing. Yeah. Because what my plan, what I said to you as well, is the reason I think you need two right wingers, um, and I'll talk about my backup targets, but I'll let you talk about your backup targets yeah. first. I think you need two right wingers because I see Daniel James as the backup left winger. I don't so think much James more. That's comfortable out on the he's right. so much more productive off the left. Yeah. Even the old Swan, uh, Graham Potter said when he was at Swansea, that they wouldn't ever think about playing Daniel on the right. It was all yeah. about having Daniel on the left because when you put him on the left, he's so much better than he is on I the right. I remember at the start of the season when he first burst onto the scene, he was on fire. He was on the left. He was, he was playing yeah. on the left and they've kind of shifted him out onto the right mm-hmm. where Rashford was hit that fall. Yeah. So I think Daniel James, he's just going to be back up to Rashford. Yeah. He's been played too much this year anyway. He's been opinion. overplayed, overran. Yeah. I think he's a good, good, very, very good player in terms of brilliant for 15 million to get him yeah. and to get him as a backup. But there's no way Daniel James should be starting they week in, week out. From Man- yeah, exactly. There's no yeah. way he should be starting. And playing him in a two up front is just, he's useless. He's, yes. he's, you may as well put Odeon on. I'd rather have Odeon on the pitch. So if we're looking at like Jamie Sancho, you're probably looking, we've gone for a price of 120 million. That's what's been rumoured. I think you can yeah. maybe get him for 100, but I think, I think 120, 120 is what you're going to have to pay. Homegrown quote yeah, exactly. and stuff like that, English player. <laughs> I think Real or Barca could probably get him for 100. I think if you're United, you're going to have to pay 120. And also, I think there's been a lot of rumours that have come out recently, a lot of paper talk that he is actually really interested in moving to United. Yeah. Um, and I just think, I think it's one of those ones that has been talked about so much. It's just going to happen. I feel like it will happen. Yeah. And I'm so excited to see Jaden <laughs> in the Premier League. Can you imagine um, the front four of like, um, Bruno, Martial, Rashford and Sancho? That is do you know what my four. front four would be? 4-2-4, four, four, left wing, <laughs> Rashford, right wing, Jaden Sancho. Left striker Martial, right striker Odin Agallo. Odin Agallo, what a player! Yeah, he's, do you know what he's done? He's done fine, hasn't yeah. he? He's done kind of what he can provide adequate backup for striker. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think another player because if what I was looking at as my fourth signing. Yeah. Um, if we're getting rid of Lingard and Pereira, yeah. Whilst we don't think either of them are good and like, yeah. they need to go, it does leave a hole in the squad there. You need to replace. Gonna, yeah. A uh, player that's going to be a squad rotation player in those positions. For me, an ideal signing would be Emi Buendia yeah. out of Norwich. I had him as my one of my targets for the, the cam um, yeah. when I was talking about So I think Buendia has played off the right and in the cam position yeah. this season. And I think he'll be a useful squad player to have. If you look at the chances created, key passes numbers this season. Well, he, had the third, he had the third most behind De Bruyne and Trent. Exactly. So like, and that's insane. Created. Especially yeah. when you look at Norwich, who are like 20th place. Like, they're doing absolutely terribly. In the but, I mean, I again, I don't want to sort of toot my own horn, but I did say about Wendia. <laughs> yeah. I did say about Wendia. I think I tweeted two weeks after the season began. And I'd said before as well, because 
you look at championship numbers and you have to look at them with a pinch of salt in the sense that if you look at championship numbers and you go strikers and they've got 20 goals and you say, oh, they're going to be amazing. Billy Sharp scored 22 in the championship last season. And don't get me wrong, I love Billy <laughs> if Sharp. He playing week in, week yeah, out. <laughs> he, would get, he would get 40 in the friend. But what I will say about championship numbers and Billy Sharp is um, that, yeah, they have to be taken with a pinch of salt because not everybody... It depends, it depends on age. It depends on where you've played, I think, in your career. I think if you're 20 and you're hitting 20, then that's great. But even then, we've seen like with guys like Che Adams. Yeah. Lukas Jukovic hit 22 for Birmingham last Dwight year. Gale as well, yeah. Like... No one's thinking about signing Dwight Gale, Jukovic for a top club. Yeah. It's more about age. It's more... But when I talk about championship numbers, Buendia was extremely similar to Madison. And I just looked yeah. at that and I thought he could be the same as Madison. And I think Buendia is great. And he would be the perfect signing, really. I think just for cover of both right yeah. wing and Cam, can mm-hmm. fill in multiple positions. And he's shown he's a quality player. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at Man United struggling to break down the lesser teams in the Premier mm-hmm. League, if you're bringing on Buendia, like 65th minute yeah. around that time period, mm-hmm. and he can come on and create a chance, maybe cut the team open, mm-hmm. I think he's a much better player than Pereira or Lingard. So yeah. I think Sancho and Buendia, and that would be the 265 million budget gone for people mm-hmm. on Alfonso Davis, Ndidi, mm-hmm. Buendia. And Sancho. But who's your backup right wing target? See, I put down Serge Nabry. But I just think that's left winger, yeah. But, um, I also think it's just you're not going to get you're not going to get. I Nabry. couldn't really think of any other ones. I yeah. think just like mm-hmm. Sancho, yeah. Buendia. So let me get my list of targets. Yeah, go on. So um, <laughs> in terms of backup right wingers, I think you make a good point about Buendia because I think what United haven't been doing and what other clubs or what Liverpool have been doing is that they've been picking up players who have got the potential to go to the next level, but they're not quite there yet. Yeah. So Robertson for 8 million from Hull. Jeannie Vijnaldum from yeah. Newcastle for 25 Firmino million. From, um, Firmino. But he from? Even from, he was from Hoffenheim. But yeah. what I mean, in a sense, is picking up Premier League players. Yeah. Because even picking up guys like Milner, who yeah. have come to the end of their deals... And like picking up Hendos and all of these guys, Lovren's. I know Lovren's not brilliant, but they got they got Van Dijk. Yeah, but you can. I mean, seventy five million. Yeah, he came from a lower Premier League club still. Um, And I think with that kind of thing, United haven't been doing. So guys that I would maybe look to pick up would be someone like a Decore, for example. My backup right wing target is. Adama Traore, but that's for that's for like the top dog right wing spot because I've yeah. got two right wing spots, so he's my backup to Sancho. If I can't yeah. get Sancho, I'm going for Adama. Most dribbles completed, yeah. He's just a beast. Completed completed nine dribbles in one game this season. <laughs> like that's that's some people don't even do that in a season. Yeah. <laughs> like that's crazy. Um, and also, I think he was he was sandwiched between Neymar and Messi for the most dribbles per 90. And I think he's actually overtaken them now. He has been... One of, one of the things with Adama Traore is it was always no end product. He has had one of the fattest glow-ups of a professional footballer I've ever seen over a if summer. If you're looking at this generation's streets won't forget, yeah. Adama Traore, top of that league. Well, I, Adama Traore would have been penciled in for that. Yeah. But he's too good now to be considered <laughs> streets wouldn't forget because he's actually very, very good. Yeah, no, I think the only problem is with Adama is the Premier League inflated market. Yeah. Wolves paid about 18 million for him. And they don't really need to sell. They're not in a position where they need to sell. He's 23. He still could do, you know, he could still be at Wolves for ages. And Wolves as well, if they were to get Champions League or Europa, even if they're to get Champions League football next season, why would you want to go? Yeah. You're playing under Nuno. 
all of this, you're going to have to pay 60 million maybe for Adama. I wouldn't pay more than 45. Yeah. My backup right wing target is a bit of an outside of the box shout. You probably might not have heard of him. Jed Wallace from Millwall. I can confirm I've never heard yeah. of him before. <laughs> Jed, Jed Wallace from Millwall. One of the best performers in the championship this season. And Millwall beat Nottingham. By the way, Millwall um, could go up, which I would hate because no, I don't want them in the Prem. Because then you've um, got the West Ham Millwall dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, West Ham are going down. So. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> um, no, but Jed Wallace. Um, let me just get my notes on him. Because, so Jed Wallace, potentially a very, very underwhelming signing, but very smart business in my opinion. Um, brilliant goal contribution numbers this season in the championship. The last time I checked, which was around January, it was nine goals and six assists. Um, and now it's 10 goals and nine assists in 35 games in the championship. He's a right winger, but he could also play as like a number six, number eight. Because he's kind of, he, they play a 4-4-2, so they play like a flat midfield and he plays the right midfield role instead of like the right wing role. So I don't know if he'd be ideal in a 4-3-3, but also, so 19 goal contributions in 35 games in the championship. He has 26, and again, you have to take championship numbers with a pinch of salt, but I think this guy is firmly going to be a backup. He's not coming in to be a starter. You could get him for maybe 10 million, I think. Yeah. I think he'd be just a brilliant. I think he'd be a brilliant signing in terms of there's not much risk involved, yeah. um, and he's probably not gonna. He's probably not on even. I wouldn't say he's even on twenty k at Millwall. You could probably pay yeah. him forty k, thirty k, because they're paying Chong thirty k. Um, you that could you could pay Wallace thirty k, and he could contribute. He could play twenty games a season, maybe ten off the bench start some games in the Europa League, Cups, all of that. Perfect replacement for Pereiras and Lingards who can play out wide and who can play in the middle. And, you know, I just think Jed Wallace would be a great signing for United. Another guy that I'd look at is someone, this isn't one of my targets, but um, Ismail Lassar. Um, because I think you could get him for maybe 35 million. Um, I think Ismail he's one of those players that can win you a game on his own yeah. if he, every once in a while. I remember he played against Arsenal in the Europa mm -hmm. League and... I think I've already said this on yeah. the podcast. He retired Nacho Monreal. Yeah. And uh, he's also retired Van Dijk. So. Yeah. But also with Sarr, I just think he's one of those players that has shown this season that he's got loads of potential, but he's not quite there yet. And if you take a gamble on somebody like a Sarr, another one that I would say is an Alan St. Maximan. Just a, one of those kind of players who, if you get them in and you coach them, yeah. you sit them down and you go, look, Alan, mate, we need you you know, scoring goals, not doing rainbow flicks on the halfway line. Like, we all love it. Don't get me wrong. Like, you and the headband, darling, you are different gravy. But, <laughs> yeah. like, Alan St. Maximan or Ismail Assar would be, you know, two honourable two honorable mentions. Two players that can just really change a game. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're really in search of a, yeah. of a goal, you yeah. can bring on a player like that. And I think the Man United of old would have taken a risk on yeah. those guys. Um, because, you know, you look at some of the strikers they signed over the years... Like, not even the Yorks, but people like Luis Saha, who... Javier Hernandez. Javier Hernandez. And, I mean, Luis Saha only scored, like... He, he scored about... I think he scored 13 goals the season before they got him. But he was playing at Fulham, and Fulham weren't great. And he looked really good. And he'd done really well at Fulham. And they went, do you know what? This guy can come in and he maybe score yeah. nine or ten goals for us a season. Chip in. Uh, missed a penalty against Celtic in a Champions League what game. A yeah, <laughs> but Louis Saha was like an average player, but he did a good job at Man United. Yeah. Um, I just think if you get a couple of decent players, players in, like 
yeah, that can fill a squad because Martial's been overran. Rashford yeah. overran so much Daniel that he James broke his back. Daniel James. In, but yeah, exactly. So you need more kind of fillers, I guess, in that squad. And I think for, you know, you guys can do the maths in terms of targets or whatever, but I think you can get maybe five signings, five or six yeah. quality signings for about 265 million. Mm. Um, and that is, you know, but that's provided all of the sales happen and everything. Yeah. But also a manager might come in and change that squad completely. Yeah. It depends on right, what manager yeah. or director yeah. comes in. So if we're just wrapping up this section, if we've gone through these signings and the ones I thought, yeah. my starting eleven for next season would be Dean Henderson in goal, yeah. Wamba Saka at right back, with mm-hmm. Maguire at centre back, with a Tuanzebi Lindelof by uh, potentially a Malang Sar mm-hmm. um, partnering him at centre back, mm-hmm. Alfonso Davis at left back, um, Ndidi and Fred in a holding the position with Sancho, Bruno and Rashford playing behind Martial in a 4-2-3-1 under Pochettino, mm-hmm. which was obviously flexible, but yeah. that would probably be their main system. So what I've got is I've got Dean Henderson in goal with Romero as the backup. I've got Wambasaka at right back with Laird or Dallo as the rotation. Yeah. I've got Maguire with Twanzebi as the backup to him. Yeah. And then I've got Bailly beside Maguire with Lindelof as the backup. Mm-hmm. If Bailly is fit. But provided by his fit, I don't think he probably will be, so it'd probably be Lindelof. Then I've got Vendel as my left back, and I've got Williams and Shaw rotating yeah. as well. I've got Florentino Louise, and then I've got McTominay and Garner rotating, James Garner. Yeah. Um, then I've got Fred and Samare rotating. Then I've got Bruno as my starter, and I've got Angel Gomez as my backup cam. Yeah. And I think something that we need to go on record and say, they have to tie Angel Gomez down to a new deal. Just needs to give him more minutes. I think they need to stop giving minutes to people like Pereira and Lingard and give yeah. those minutes to Angel Gomez. But I think the problem is he doesn't want to sign a new deal. And I think there's all this... But he's I've... never going to sign a new deal if you don't play him. No, but that's the thing. They don't want to play him because he won't sign a new deal. Well, then he's just going to leave, isn't he? Yeah, I hope he doesn't leave um, because they've signed Chong on a new deal, which I think is fine if you give him minutes or if you loan him out next year. I think they should have just left Chong. Left. I think Chong has the potential, but I don't think he's brilliant. Then I've gone right wing Sancho. So I'm playing a 4-3-3. I've gone right wing Sancho with Adama or Jed Wallace as the backup. Yeah. I've also put Ismail Assar in there just as like a name. Rashford on the left with James as the backup. And then I've put Martial up front with the potential because obviously you splashed out a bit more on like yeah. big names I've like kind of tried to I've tried to yeah exactly tried to balance the squad and I've I've said Martial potentially I'd look at getting another striker and I said to the other day to you Ossiemen from Lille mm. just someone again who's chipping in with a good amount of goals but maybe isn't the finished article because I don't actually want someone to replace Martial I really like yeah. Martial but Greenwood as well 17 the 17.4 year old what a player yeah and yeah, so Greenwood could rotate, um, or Aussie men and Martial can rotate, and Greenwood could maybe go out on loan or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But that is kind of the player segments wrapped up. In terms of just if we want to finish on that, any youth players that you think we should watch out for at United? See, I think Man United's youth academy just isn't that good at the moment. That's one of the things that I would improve. Or yeah. that's what they're trying to, they're getting ahead of analytics, yeah. um, which is, and they're also putting a lot of money into their youth academy. I think you've got players like Gomez, Laird. Like maybe Jimmy Garner. Yeah. Apart from that, I don't see any really that good players. I don't think you've considered Greenwood like that anymore. I wouldn't. I'd say Greenwood and Williams don't really count as upcoming youth because we've seen them now. I think the guys you got to watch out for. I say just keep an eye on Chong because I think Chong, Chong. I think everybody was kind of too quick to go. He's rubbish. I don't think he's (laughs) terrible, but I think he's probably like an Awobi level player. Yeah, Yeah. If that, maybe not even that. Then I would say Angel Gomez is the special one. 
And I, as in, we I need mean, to find out what I mean, what I mean in terms of the special one, I don't mean he's going to be a generational talent. What I mean is he's yeah. the special one out of that group. I think you've got to watch out for that Hannibal Mejiri guy, the 16 year old, um, who came from Monaco for like 10 million in the summer. Yeah. Um, you've got, but apart from that, James Garner could be really good, could also be useless. We don't really know. Yeah. Um, You're never going to know until you play. Exactly. And there's a couple of others, but they're all, again, kind of no-names yeah. like that Arzani guy or whatever, Ramzani or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but who really cares? Moving on to the final kind of segment of this podcast, really. The director of football position. Exactly. For me, this is probably the most important thing that they need to get right. See, I actually... player or yeah, manager. I would, I would disagree because I would say I think they're doing an okay job at the moment with a recruitment Since model. Since Ferguson has left, it's just been a mm-hmm. shambles from yeah. top to bottom. There's been no long-term vision. They just need a plan. And I think whilst we've done this podcast, like what we would do, they just need someone to come in with a plan. Oh, yeah, get somebody who's not us because we're not qualified. <laughs> That's why we're on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. They're actually qualified. So, director of football I've targets. I've got three potential mm-hmm. candidates. So, my first one we is, won't We won't talk too long about yeah, these because we have... Yeah, we're running out yeah. of time a bit. But, yeah. um, first one, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I think we both got this one on our list. So, yeah. just like, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, he's shown this season that he's got good recruitment. Bruno, James... Maguire or Wamba, but even Egalo, I think, was a smart and enough Agu- signing. Agalo, yeah. So yeah, you've seen good recruitment there. He's already got a relationship with the fans. Mm-hmm. Could be quality. Uh, Van der Sar, so obviously another person who's got a relationship with the fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from this like Ajax, like total football school of thought, which would probably be a pop- popular philosophy of football at Man United. And he's shown what he can do with Ajax, nearly bringing them to the Champions League. And my last one, who I would go for, this would be my candidate, is Paul Mitchell. A lot of you might not know who he is. So Paul Mitchell has been the director of football at Southampton and Spurs and now RB Leipzig. So at Southampton and Spurs, he was working with Pochettino. And obviously you see Southampton have come to sixth with the working Mm -hmm. relationship of Pochettino and Paul Mitchell. And Spurs, obviously, 16-17, nearly won the league. Yeah, so you well, see, Champions League final last And I think this well, is but. the reason I'd go for Paul Mitchell is that he's shown that a good recruitment model at mm-hmm. Spurs and um, Southampton. When he left Spurs, they sort of stopped making signings, actually, yeah. and things mm-hmm. started to go wrong. And also, I think the relationship between the manager and the director of football is key if you're looking at a rebuild. So Paul Mitchell would have to be my number one choice and bring, them in to, bring him in together with Poch. And you could have a potential five-year manager there, potential mm-hmm. ten-year manager there. And I think that's what they need. Yeah. See, I would, I would, I, Paul Mitchell wasn't on my list. Um, I do like Paul Mitchell, but I don't see why you leave RB Leipzig at the moment. I think in terms of director of football, I don't think it's imperative you get necessarily a, a director of football. I think you could maybe get um, a director of sporting operations and then someone, so you could get like an Edu, um, like Sanelli combination, where you have someone who's in charge of like recruitment and transfer strategy, and then you have someone who's in charge of getting these players like finding gems all of this like negotiations different stuff like that in terms of who I would go for the director of football I think for me I I, I would I think Ollie would do a good job yeah. um, but I don't really want Ollie as my director of football because at the same time I think people have said about you know the rumour was as well Rio Ferdinand was close yeah. to getting the job I think Ollie getting director of football would be pretty similar to Rio Ferdinand getting yeah. it because at the end of the day he has managed the team, but he's got no experience as yeah. director There's of football. There's so many probably ins and outs of being exactly. director of football. It's, 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 easy, it's easy for us to say, Oli, and I think a lot of fans would say it, and you look at recruitment, it is a big policy, yeah. and even you know, 
what goes on on the pitch and like youth development again that is a director of football's kind of role because you have to you you devise the strategy and it seems like Oli's devised the strategy but he can't put it into place but I don't think Oli is really suitable for the He's director really of football exactly my director of football would be Ralph Ragnick I don't see any reason why you go for anybody else in my opinion because Ralph Ragnick director of sporting operations at Red Bull so that's not just RB Leipzig, it's Red Bull Salzburg as well, and the New York Red Bulls. Um, and the New York Red Bulls, um, like in terms of the director of sporting operations, it's not necessarily just football. Um, there's a lot of commercial stuff there as well, because you've got all of the Red Bull like kind of exports, like the bikes and shit like that. I don't really understand it, but the New York Red Bulls um, are the football team. Obviously, you've got the Red Bull Salzburg, and you've got. RB Leipzig. Now, the thing that I think about this is recruitment model have been fantastic. The coaching, the employment of coaches has been second to none. Yeah. So Red Bull Salzburg had Marco Rosa, who was brilliant and has gone to Mönchengladbach and has done a great job there and could have potentially got a Bundesliga title had they not fallen off. They're still in the running. They won't get it, but that's by the by. He was an appointment. Um, Ralph Ragnick managed Leipzig while they were in transition and they got Julian Nagelsmann, potentially the, the most exciting young manager in world football. Jesse Marsh, when Marco Rosa left RB Salzburg, who did they go and get? Jesse Marsh, who had been at RB, who had been at RB New York. Yeah, we'll just call them RB New York. Yeah, <laughs> RB New York. Um, and what I think about that is Jesse Marsh has done a fantastic job at Salzburg. Daniel Taze was saying, you know, he wanted him for the Tottenham job. That's three brilliant kind of manager, managerial appointments in kind of two years. Yeah. Man United have made no good managerial appointments in, in eight years. Yeah, so exactly. Like you get Ralph Ragnick in, he is going to be able to do business stuff. He is going to be able to do um, coaching, like in terms of setting the coaching model. He's going to be able to do recruitment. He's going to be able to do everything. And he can work with Ed Woodward on commercial stuff. So yeah. you've not just got Ed Woodward doing commercial deals either. He... I think you look at getting maybe a chief negotiator and the head of recruitment to accompany Ragnick, yeah? Mm. So maybe you take Paul Mitchell or maybe you take, you know, you get a recruitment guy and you get a chief negotiator, like someone like a Dick Law, even though he was a terrible chief negotiator at Arsenal. Yeah. The only chief... The only, yeah, the only chief... <laughs> no, but I mean, like, someone who yeah, does that job. That the, same, like, the same way that Lee Charnley, he was the chief negotiator in Newcastle. Yeah. And again, he did a terrible job. But get somebody who can do that job well. Yeah. <laughs> that would be what I would say. Um, so, Ralph Ragnick would be my director of football, really. Yeah. I think if you want anybody else, maybe look at one of the director of footballing operations at one of the national teams like Argentina yeah. or something because getting Edu has been I think was a really so good was a really good appointment for Arsenal and but yeah I think director of football segment mine's Ralph Ragnick yours is Paul Mitchell yeah I just think the relationship between the director of football and manager is so key and yeah and they need to get that right if you bring in Poch and Paul Mitchell together they've shown <laughs> what they can do with Southampton and Spurs I think that's the sort of thing Man United need personally yeah. But if we're just wrapping this up now, I think we've pretty much covered everything that Man United need to do. Yeah, we have covered everything, and it was a really, really interesting one to do. We've wanted to do a Man United rebuild yeah. for a long time. And, they need it and you know, be be sure to stay tuned for more rebuilds because yeah. we've got, you know, an Arsenal what? one in the works. Yeah. It's been in the works for a long time. So many clubs need rebuilding. Yeah. It's just yeah. We're looking at potentially doing a Sheffield United episode next week. Yeah. They're so just like looking at the rise of how they've not, gone. Yeah, not a rebuild because they that's the last thing they that they need. Being good. 
condition right yeah. now. So. so yeah, make sure you stay tuned for the future episodes, potentially a Sheffield United one next week. Please make sure you leave any feedback um, and I hope you guys all have a great week. Thank you and goodbye.